You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 178, recorded October 11th, 2023. The topic for this episode is Rites of Passage Lore Book, Part 1. Uh, I will be your host for this evening, and my name is Orchid. And I am Elemist. Man, that was hard. Hi. Y- yeah, it, it. we're a little out of practice, aren't we? I forgot how to do it. It's fine, though. I have some podcast info for you. I know how to do this part. We encourage feedback sometimes. I usually actually just say that. I don't want your feedback. It can be sent to us on Twitter (laughs) at guardians underscore lore. You can actually tweet at me. Just send me memes at hey, it's Orchid. You can tweet at Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can find us on Blue Sky at Guardians of Lore. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Guardians of Lore. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you can find the podcast. Five stars is the correct number of stars. You can find us in our Discord. The link is in the description for this episode, but you can also find us at discord.gg slash lorehub if that's easier for you to just put it into a browser. Toki. The desk isn't for you. You haven't done this in a while. I'm just going to hold you right here. Okay. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps. And Toki would really appreciate it. Thanks again to our subscribers, Valoragna, Linkman22, Doom, Firebired, and Unnamed Guardian Less Than Three. You guys ensure that Rindle can still edit this podcast. And we really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. And we have a new subscriber, Finlay Potato. Um, We just pulled your name from Discord. So we wanted to make sure that we weren't giving out your actual name in case that's what your actual name was. Um, So thank you so much for subscribing and your very lovely donation as well. Um, It means a lot to us. Your note made all of us cry. It was really nice. So we just want to... Do a very nice shout out. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So thank you for subscribing. It it made our day. Yeah, it really made our day. Thank you. Also, you can also find our info on the lorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. Are we still there? We're uh yeah, I think we are. We're still there. Okay. I'll take your word for Yay! it. Yay! We're still there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> This week at Guardians of Lore, the toggle. <laughs> the end of the season is upon us. <laughs> Finally. What did you think? And and this is end of the season story-wise. Yeah, sorry. The end of the story season part is upon us, not the actual end of the season. Because we still have a month and a half. Is that how long we have? Seriously? It's like 42 days, 41 days. 
Yeah. I mean, yay. Now, how did you find it? Uh, so that final cutscene and and spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, that final cutscene was it was problematic. Just describe what happened. Okay. So we're giving all of our tithes to Eris, the new hive god of vengeance, and then she actually commands for Savathun's body to be transmatted to Savathun's throne world. Can I just say I love that for her, that she's the hive god of vengeance? Right. How good is that, right? How good is that? Right. Like, I love that for her. That's such an upgrade from Lady with Rock. (laughs) Crazy lady who talks to glowing rock. Yeah. You went from crazy lady with rock to hive god of vengeance. That's such an upgrade. (laughs) Like, queen, get it. Like, bestie, you've, you've, that's such a glow up. Like that, Get it. that in itself is is what made this season for me. At you least. just had to go through a tragic. All of your friends had to die in a horrible dark hole in the ground for that to happen. And then you know, you essentially went into a chrysalis and came out a beautiful hive god butterfly. <laughs> I hate that that actually makes sense. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. Anyway, um. So yeah, she she orders for Savathun's body to be transmitted to Savathun's throne world. Imaru gets kind of like antsy and she's telling him, "No, just revive her." Imaru revives Savathun and Savathun kind of makes a few snarky comments and then looks at Eris and she's like, "Oh, I love the new look." <laughs> like that entire interaction was just amazing for me. But then the next part is is what really got me excited because Eris looks at Savathun and goes, well, I'm going to be your ruin. And she takes out a sword and slashes Savathun's throat. But did you notice what sword it was? No, I didn't. Oh, so it's a sword from Shadowkeep. Oh. Yeah, the cool little callback. I didn't know if you noticed. I, I did not. I'm going to have to go back and look. I went through, I went through all the swords that I had <laughs> to see if I had it. It's a sword <laughs> from Shadowkeep. I was like, neat. I'm going to go look back at that litter. Yeah. Because that that's that is a cool detail. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it because it's a unique sword because it's got a little like doohickey on the end yeah. of the tip. Yeah, so it's, like, easy to find in your inventory. Like, go back to collections and look for it. Okay. But it had the little shadow keep thing, and I'm like, of course they'd give her a shadow keep sword. Like, she's shadow keep. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. But what ended up happening is when she killed Savathun, she absorbed Savathun's power because... No hive had killed Savathun since Savathun had lost her worm. So, like, there was all that light strength and and the dark, and, like, it was just all building up in Savathun. Eris absorbed it, looks at the camera, and starts speaking in, you know, typical Eris fashion, which is very flowery. 
It was purple prose. Let's be real. It it was, but like that's that's very in character for for her. It's very Eris. Yeah. But essentially, what she did after becoming, you know, the most powerful hive in creation, she severed the actual link between Zivu Arath and Zivu's throne world, and that actually made her mortal. And then the cutscene ended. Yeah, I guess if it works for one hive god, it works for another hive god, because we did this already to Oryx. We didn't sever, like, we, we, I don't think we severed Oryx's connection to his throne. No, because we kind of went into his throne world. Exactly, like, we killed him in his throne world. That's, that's kind of severing his connection to his throne world. By killing, sure. Yeah, we killed him in his throne world. <laughs> Semantics. Yeah, but we kind of did that. Same thing. There, there's a difference between, you know, killing in the throne world and severing their connection to the throne. Like, <laughs> essentially. Is there? I mean, two sides of the same coin. You're, well, it's the same function. Well, it, right. Same end result. But like. For that, it's more about the the journey, because for Oryx, we had to kill him twice. Yeah, you know, because once... we didn't go into his throne world to kill him, because we didn't right. know that we had to sever him from his throne world. So see, we're learning from our past mistakes. Which is very rare for us. I know, we're fucking stupid. Um, As is illustrated by this ending cutscene. Oh, God. The problem that I have with it uh-huh. is that the actual cutscene just ends abruptly. The rest of it is in the lore book. Yeah. What the heck, Bungie? Don't give me the rest of it in the lore book. The cool part is in the lore book. What? Like... How much more expensive would it have been for them to put the rest of it in the cutscene? I have no clue. Because it must have been astronomically impossible. Because at that point, the only ones you need voice actors for are Imaru. Our guardian and Imaru. But they already had Imaru. It, right. But like it would have been extra lines. Stick him in a booth for half a day. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree. I am just looking at it as you know devil's advocate right because like at, at that point even if they they wanted to embellish on that that lore entry that we got like at most it would have been maybe five or six people the guardian which is what two at this point male and female imaru eris ikora and savathun interesting and and that's if they wanted to do more than what was actually just in the lore entry. Hmm. With what they did in the lore entry, like it, it would just be two or three people max. So like that's that's the problem that I had with it was that they just ended the cutscene abruptly and then continued the cutscene in writing. It's it just felt really unfinished to me, and I mean I had like a couple issues with it. Just like the content of it, maybe also from like 
a literature perspective or maybe a content perspective or a I would have done it differently heiress perspective. Okay, Let, let's hear it. Okay, me sitting there as a guardian watching Eris do this, watching her like eat the Savathun cookie or whatever, the witch queen cookie that she drew on her hand. And I'm like, this is what you're doing, huh? You're eating, you're eating a glowy Oreo. This is what you're doing right now. (laughs) We spent eight weeks feeding you death and you just ate a cookie. That's what that was your choice. That's that's what you did. Really? Yeah. Really? That's all you did? Really? When like she could have gone, we could have had this great, like, she had she was the most powerful, like hive out there. Literally the most powerful. Yeah. Literally the most. Savathun is a guardian, pretty much. At this point, not a guardian, a light bearer. We could have farmed her ability to have power over and over and over again. (laughs) Bitch, I know how to farm things. I've done it so many times. How much time I've spent in like Shirochi. You know how many times I have sat in that throne or that thrall hallway (laughs) farming shit. God, right? You know how much time I like AFK Volunder Forge. I know how to farm things. All right. <laughs> I have farmed until I've been blue in the face. I mean, Eris doesn't know farming. She could have farmed Savathun. She one hit killed Savathun. Like and and considering us killing Savathun took like thousands of bullets. It took so long for us to kill Savathun. Like, I, I soloed that last mission when we had to actually kill Savathun. It took me forever. Forever. Because I'm, like, running around trying to not die. And there's, like, a bunch of other enemies trying to kill me. And I'm, like, running in and out of her fucking legs. Like, it took me so long. It would have... It took Eris one hit. Dead. Right. And I'm like, Savathun is either weak as shit now. Which, yeah... She was, she just got spawn killed. Let's be real. <laughs> like, that was not a fair fight. And also, Eris is super powerful now because we've been feeding her for weeks. She had the tasty noms from The Guardian and all of uh, the other The Guardians have been feeding her stuff for weeks. So when she's been having, like, The Guardian feeding her tasty noms, like... Of course, she's going to be able to one hit kill Savathun. I think that's what it ultimately boiled down to was the fact that, like, we were feeding her so much. Yeah. That she was able to bypass Savathun. Uh huh. Even by a fraction. Like, that is how she one shot Savathun. Right. But I was really surprised um, that we were able to watch her just get killed that she didn't decide like oh i can just like infinitely farm this power and get like more powerful maybe if you just killed her once and that was it so you just took her power once so it like wasn't infinite power so now oh now the power is gone and she's just gonna come back to life and just be normal question mark because like she has the power now is that how it works 
I don't know. Is she not Savathun anymore? That was never clear. Yeah. Because I, like, so what? So Savathun is now bottom of the pile again because you killed her once? No, she's still Savathun. That's stupid. The hell is that? Like, you're not suddenly, she's not suddenly a thrall again. She doesn't have to work her way up the tree. Right. Like, the fuck kind of rule is that? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. So either you can farm her for power or your rules don't make any sense. I'm wondering if it was more about, like, diminishing returns. Even if you had diminishing returns, you can still get more out of it. But, like... So, I mean, milk it for what it's worth. Hook her up to a fucking machine and kill her over and over again until you get everything out of it. Like, wring her dry until there's nothing left. And then once it's done, squish Amaru. You don't need that fucker anymore. Fuck your life! Bing bong! Kill her and then, like, light her bones on fire and, like, blow her into dust in the wind. And then you're done with her. Problem solved. Gotta admit, I'm loving this part of the conversation. Ultimate power now. Eris brimming with power. Go kill Zivu Arath with ultimate power. And then blow the Oreo cookie. Whatever. Like, you can eat the Oreo cookie and, like, sever her from her whatever. And, like, still have ultimate power. Like, why would you give up your ultimate power and not, like, go... Why wouldn't you go kill her? Yeah. Why? Why? What? You're the most powerful hive and you're like, nah, I'm done, fam. <laughs> Take a nap now. Like, what? That that's a that's a very that's, valid question. What? Why? <laughs> what are you doing? That's I a don't valid understand. question. Because like I, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, cool. She she got, you know owned right after being rezzed awesome but then like the cutscene just immediately ends and i go looking at the actual entry and i'm like oh so she got rezzed again and just fucked off what the fuck it was it like it it's frustrating because you can see the human like the humanity characters not making good choices. No, they're all making the worst choices. I should be in charge. She would have been dead two years ago. None of this would have happened. Amaru would have been killed immediately. He would have been squished so fast. So fast. Yeah. He would have been squished. All of the pieces of his ghost would have been turned into sand. And then I would have taken that sand and turned it into glass. And then I would have put it in the sun. Like, there would have been literally nothing left of him. I would turn it back into hydrogen if I could. Be like, hey, Amaru, would you like to be in the center of a star? Because that's where I'm going to put you. Like, maybe you and that guardian that's still stuck in the black hole can become friends. Oh. Like. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, yeah. but damn. Yeah. I think the problem here is that it, like, Zavala wasn't involved in any of this. Zavala would have killed him immediately. 
Yeah. Zavala been like, no, kill it. Kill it dead. Sorry. Like, he would have looked None at the us. strategic answers. Yep. But this was Ikora's doing. So, like... Man, I don't trust Ikora. She's fucking crazy. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't trust her either. She's nope. made so many bad decisions that at this point, like, yep. I, I just... We need a new Warlock Vanguard. <laughs> they, all the Vanguard, just Zavala needs to retire. Ikora needs to just go away. Like, all of them are just maybe. I, I think for Zavala, it's more the fact that he's earned retirement. Yeah, he really has. And Ikora maybe has made one too many bad decisions. Yeah. So I'm just like, uh yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I have a lot of issues with this because I probably would have done it differently, obviously, because I'm getting super impatient with the end of the story. I am, too. I I'm here at almost year 10 and I'm like, you guys need to fucking wrap it up <laughs> and I, I stop dragging it out like this is she should have been dead two years ago and i th- like, i think that's stop it. that's the problem i'm having currently because it feels like a lot of this story that is being told this year didn't need to be dragged out the way it, it is yeah that's the problem a lot of it didn't need to be dragged out it felt really draggy a lot of the story from a lot of these weeks was just like get more tithes for me and then I'm going to become way more hypey. Yeah. And it all kind of bled together. It wasn't specific like Season of the Deep. It wasn't specific like Seraph. Um, it didn't have like really specific story beats. Like Seraph was like, oh my God, we're getting Rasputin back. We're like talking um with clovis bray we're doing all this stuff we you know we're going on the space station like we had all these like really big story beats right you know the first couple the first three or four weeks we're working with clovis to bring rasputin back and then rasputin comes back and we turn on clovis and then you know there there's the, the season finale and we're leading up to that like there were real story beats with actual like consequences yeah and then we had like we were getting archie and like we're filling up like we had all these like war mind pieces we had the music boxes we were finding like we had all the stuff we were doing the whole season and it felt like really complete and together like this season like despite all the things we're doing and despite like the cards we're finding and despite like all the activities we have, it feels really disjointed and kind of a mess. Yeah. Like, does it make sense? Like I love Savathun's Spire. I think that's a really fun activity. I love the legendary one. I think the normal one is too easy. Um, The legendary one is fun. Like adding champs in it. You kind of need the champs. <laughs> that That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. With champions, it's fun. And and see, I like what they were doing story-wise with Eris becoming like the hive god of vengeance. I thought that was cool. It was a cool twist. Mm-hmm. Especially considering like that that throws certain 
questions into the mix. I mean, I liked the callback to like the dark future. I thought that was a really right. cool callback. Right. Um, I liked them calling back to like Elsie and like her freaking out about it. I thought that was really neat. But I mean, that's all seen like off screen. Right. And it's just like barely mentioned. And and that's that's that is the majority of the problem that I have with this season. Yeah. Is just the way that they've told this story. Anyway, at, at this point, it feels like we're we're beating a dead horse. <laughs> no, that would be in dares. That's where the horse is. He better not be dead. He's not. He's made of stars. How dare you? <laughs> That's why I'm saying he better not be dead. Uh, anyway, um, there's also the last Embaru part. The last Embaru engine is out. So have you done the third part of it? I have. Okay, so I couldn't get to the second part because I haven't finished that card yet. So it's the door is not open to me. So what did you think of the third part? I enjoyed it. It it was Do you have fun doing it? Do you like doing the twisty rooms? I do. I didn't enjoy the the first one too much. Does it give you motion sickness? A little bit. So if that room gives you motion sickness, for people who haven't done the Embaru engine, the first room really reminds me of the square room in Prophecy. It it w- reminded me of that. Oh God, what? Who's the artist? Escher. Yeah. MC Escher. Like that's where they got the inspiration for it. Kind of, yeah. Having a bunch of like stairs and walkways all over the place. Yeah. And and I didn't mind the way that the room itself was built. Um mm-hmm. it like I, I did get a little bit of, of motion sickness, but like the puzzle itself was alright. Um I I had issues with the first like two runs through it, so I actually looked up what the the trick was. Oh, to like finding all of them? Yeah. You put on a wombo combo detector on your ghost. And like it it wasn't even that oh that's just bypassing the entire thing. Yeah. It just shows you where they all are. And and see like I I wasn't even actually going I didn't watch a video of like oh these are the specific chests. No, like I I looked up how like what the actual rule for the puzzle was. Oh, what's the rule? The rule is bugs. No, uh, there's a symbol. Yeah, it's bugs. And and you have to open up the chest that has that symbol right in front of it. Yeah, yeah. bugs. Not tables. Yeah. Yeah, it's bugs, not tables. And, and like each each puzzle has a different version, like a, a different rule set. And I thought that was cool. Um, figuring out the second one was was so much fun and i had fun with the third one but it took me so little time that i was like oh that's that's kind of disappointing i wish there would would have been more but i understand why they didn't yeah i'm glad they included it it's fun absolutely mm-hmm. i'm glad i fed savathun with my stupidity every single time i died <laughs> so and actually the thing i i learned um huh. you don't actually need to have the cards in order to go do it. 
you need to be partnered with somebody who has the cards. Oh, I was just never partnered with anybody because I don't have any friends. So, like, if I were to drop in with you, you could go do the second puzzle and the third puzzle. Damn it, Elvis. I want to do it. I'll do it with you later this week. Yeah. Yay. Okay. And I found that out because I, I dragged a, a clan mate through. Well, that sounds like fun. I mean, there are good things about this season and there are some like hot dog shit things about this season, but it's mostly just mid and that's all we can ask for in this era of destiny. So, yeah, as long as you're playing, I'm just doing like Grandmaster Nightfalls and I'm having fun doing that. So because at, at this point, like we're just we're waiting for the final shape. Yeah, I'm just doing GMs, whatever. <laughs> like it's 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 not even that, you know, we're we're playing the content because we want to play the content. It's it's more of we want context for when the final shape drops. Yes. I want to know more about Mr. Like lives with all of his neighbors in his head. So <laughs> Mr. Lives like, with all his neighbors in his head. Do you know what? Like, you can call him the witness, but man, it must be so loud in there. At least he doesn't feel lonely. That's true. I'm so lonely. <laughs> it's so quiet. Only my own voices keep me company, Alamist. Sounds to me like you need to, you know, fuse yourself with a few other people. I need to make a fusion. <laughs> Oh, wait, I confused myself with another person, Uwu. Let's go to the Lore Network ad. Yeah, please. <laughs> oh, well. The Lore Network. Even in the darkest of places, the light will always find a way through. If you're like me, then perhaps you're looking for a more in-depth conversation about Destiny Lore. Welcome back, Guardians. My name is Samlam, and I craft bite-sized cinematic lore videos, so join me each week as I journey through some of Destiny's greatest mysteries. You can find me on youtube.com forward slash Samlab. Stay safe and Godspeed. How is that lore network ad? Fuserific. Hello. Brief intro into the topic. This is a seasonal lore book that extends each weekly story. Because of that, each entry was obtained after completing the story each week. That's all you need to know. So when we usually put these in, they are actually released on Ishtar. They aren't yet as of the recording of this episode on the 11th of October. Yeah. Wild shit. So they're still hidden in the API. So we just like screenshot all of them from destiny and like threw them in our show notes worse usually we can like copy paste them we couldn't this time so thank you elvis i was starting screenshotting to screenshotting i was them. starting to type it all out and then we got a message from uh rindle's wife about screenshotting and i was like oh my god that is an amazing idea I usually just type them all out if we have to do it, but that's way smarter. It's just screenshotting. That's like, and it's like dark mode now too, so that's very nice. That's like galaxy brain shit. 
That is super galaxy brain shit. It's very good. So yeah. Thank you, Sammy. Shout out to Sammy for shout out to Sammy. Fucking galaxy brain. Fucking genius. God damn it. Okay. Thank you. Okay, you can read the first one. I'm gonna be quiet. Okay. So this entry was obtained from week one. In week one, uh, Eris performed a ritual and gained a new hive form, becoming the hive god of vengeance. Uh, and we, the Guardian, start killing and gathering tithes to power her up. This first entry is called Process. Saint-14 and Osiris sat across from each other at the rough wooden table. Focused on the array of wires, struts, and braces spread out before them. Mithrax had mentioned that his splicer gauntlet had been causing his arm to go numb, and Saint's overeager offer of assistance had turned into an evening of frustratingly meticulous tinkering. Mithrax had politely excused himself hours ago. But Saint and Osiris were so focused on their discussion of Savathun's bargain, they hardly noticed. We don't have a choice, Osiris said, threading a wire through the lacy frills of a tiny ether converter. The future the witness is crafting beyond that portal is more terrible than we could dream. Anything is preferential to that. Anything but her, Saint grumbled. Even her, Osiris said defiantly. If Savathun knows how to pursue the witness, and there is little reason to doubt that she does, we must work with her. There is no other way. With an exo's patient precision, Saint straightened a row of metal pins. I do not know how you can say that after everything. Osiris raised his eyebrows. I am a beacon of forgiveness, he said, but the words soured on his tongue. So you forgive her? Saint didn't need to look up from his work. No, Osiris said quietly. He aligned a metal tab with its slot and pressed it into place, waiting to hear it click. It didn't come. The truth is, Osiris said, I hardly think of her at all. Saint looked at him flatly, but Osiris shrugged, his face open. I know how it sounds. I have acknowledged what happened and moved on. I suppose. I am here, alive, with you. They say that's the best revenge, don't they? Saint coiled a stubborn spring and prepared to slide it into a support brace. Is it revenge to allow the Violator to avoid accountability? The Violator is dead, Osiris said wryly. And will live again if Eris and the Guardians fulfill this prophecy or prediction. The spring shot from between Saint's fingers. 
or whatever Savathun wants to call this new trick. Osiris heard the spring clatter in the corner near the kitchen and rose wordlessly to hunt for it. Saint sighed. I do not know how you can be so calm, he said. You sometimes act as though you do not remember what she did to you. I remember it all, he said softly, without turning away from the corner. I remember being helpless. The words caught in his throat. Saint pushed his chair back and stood, but Osiris was already back at the table, a dusty spring in the center of his palm. There is still fury inside me, he said. Fury that I will probably carry forever. I acknowledge it, but I do not let it consume me. I control it, and I take strength from that. Osiris placed the spring on the table and sat back down. Saint moved to his side. Denying your emotions is not strength, Saint said carefully. I admit that. If I could, I'd change what happened, Osiris said. But not if doing so changed where it led me. Osiris reached out and gave Saint a half-embrace around the hips. Have we finished talking about this now? Osiris asked, and Saint heard the rawness in his voice. Saint kissed the top of Osiris' head and sat back down. It would have to be enough. Oh. Right? That's so rough. Fuck. It is. And like, like uh, it's it's talking about like your violator. Oh my god. Like Right. <sighs> like that is some rough shit. I get it. I get it. I get it. Like that's super triggering. Yeah. Reading this was like very triggering for me the first week when I read it. <laughs> because I actually read it the first week. So I was like, oh, I'll read the lore. <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> I don't know. Why do you read the lore? <laughs> I don't know. It's something about a podcast. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this is let's start at the top. But um, I missed having St. 14 and Osiris um, being together and just discussing things. They are so cute together. They really are. And this is just them like having a night together and like being married and just like being at home together. You know, this this is the equip like the destiny equivalent of like a slice of life story. This is so domestic. <laughs> this is super domestic, you know? Right. It's good. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, this is, this is so slice of life. I'm such a slut for slice of life animes. <laughs> so like reading this, I was like, yes, give it to me. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like Saint is more bothered by it than Osiris is. And I get it. I get it as like someone with like a similar experience. I'll say experience 
but I mean, obviously not of like someone who had like, who was wearing like a Savathun meat suit for a year, but you know, a similar experience. You just like, don't think about it. Right. You like, don't let it consume you. You don't think about it. Like it doesn't like become your persona. And like it sometimes will bother your partner like more than you. And you're like, I just don't think about it. Like I don't like if because if you let it if you let it bother you, then like your whole world kind of crumbles around you. And then it really will it really does like bother you and kind of dictates how you feel. And you can't let it do that. Because then they've kind of won. Right. So you just don't think about it. And and that's good for getting through the day to day, but yeah. That's not really healing or anything. At the same time, it's like sometimes it is. And sometimes there is no healing. You just there is surviving. That's all you can do, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of where he is at the moment. And and like that's easy for me to say because I haven't been in that kind of a position being in that position uh, that's got to be much much tougher it i think it's different for everybody and I, osiris has a really good support system with saint 14 yeah i think but i mean he's dealing with a lot he still lost sagira he's dealing with you know the impending doom of the world <laughs> it's on their doorstep yeah. Uh, this, you know, still dealing with like the whole Savathun meat suit situation. And he's dealing with Saint 14, like having all of those memories of the meat suit as well. And those like reactions. And that's a whole separate situation. Yeah. Because he does say like that he remembers it all. He remembers being helpless. And there's still fury inside him, fury that he will probably carry forever. And he doesn't acknowledge it, but I do not let it consume me. I control it and I take strength from that. Like, I super resonate from that. I get it. And it's it's commendable for him to look at his entire situation that way. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of strength to to get to that point. I feel like the person who wrote this is a survivor of domestic violence or sexual assault. That's very much how they they took Osiris, like they, they took Osiris's story down that path. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's how it that's how it feels to me. Right. I don't know. It's a really heavy topic and it's really not something I ever thought that I'd have to talk about. When reading Destiny lore. Right. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is a really like surprisingly heavy entry for a seasonal lore book. <laughs> Destiny lore gets deep. Uh, it really does. It's really good, but it just shows like the depth and breadth of what destiny lore really covers and this is why it's just so good sometimes completely agree yeah i mean we can dumpster destiny like all day like we just did for the last 20 minutes but like this is what makes it all worth it is stuff like this yeah 
it's just like this kind of like raw emotion that comes out like between Osiris and Saint 14. And like, I hate that it like dredges up memories for me of things that like aren't super great from my past, but it is a moment between two like dearly beloved characters that we have that I think like are kind of universally loved by everyone. And they're having this like really tender moment and it's kind of like a heated moment. And it's because like Saint 14 really loves Osiris and he is worried and cares about him. And Osiris like really doesn't want to talk about it. But he does. He opens up just like just that little bit at the very end. Yeah. And Saint does say, just like you did, denying your emotions is not strength. But like as for me, as like a survivor for him, it's like sometimes that's that's all you can do. Like that's the only thing you can do to like get through your day is to just like pretend it never happened and ignore it and not think about it. Absolutely. And and doing that to get through the day to day is understandable. Mm-hmm. And what I'm getting at is the fact that like you're never going to heal if that's all you do. Yeah. And sometimes there is no healing. But true. Yeah. I do like the little like kiss at the very end. It's just like that little like kiss on the top of the head and then sat back down. Yeah. That's like such a domestic little like button on the very end of the writing. So good. Because you can like see it in your mind's eye too. So good. I love this so much. Do you have anything else for this one? No, I think that covers everything. And then some. Cool. Well, I'm going to read this next one then. Sounds good. This is week two. I don't remember what happened in week two. I'm assuming we did some tithes and got more hives. Because that's what we did each week. I don't know what we did. I mean, uh, this one. try and get an ointment first, so. <laughs> no, not that kind of hives. Just like more heiress hive. <laughs> not like hive hive. Okay, this is called A Matter of Distrust. Distrust. As Ikora neared the console in the helm, a voice cried out from the shadows as a figure lunged for her. Ikora's hands moved reflexively to deflect the blow and deliver a killing strike, but she stopped after recognizing her attacker. She allowed Elsie to grab the front of her robes and shove her against the bulkhead. Were you even listening? Elsie screamed, her hands shaking in frustration. How many reports, Ikora? How many times did I tell you what I saw? The pain in her voice tore at Ikora. She knew the stories almost as well as Elsie at this point. The Exo had traveled back from a future where Eris Morn held dominion over everything and even bent Sabathun to her will. It had not ended well. Elsie pushed away and began to pace, furious. Elsie, Ikora said gently, I know the future you came from, but that is not this future. I have seen what happens when Eris Morn has unchecked power, Elsie hissed. I have smelled the corpses. 
Nikora wanted to comfort Elsie, but knew that any attempts at camaraderie would push her further away. Instead, she straightened her robes. The heiress in your timeline was corrupted by darkness, she said coolly. We now understand how to wield the darkness without becoming lost in it. Eris Morn was corrupted by power, Ikora, Elsie said. The same power you are encouraging the Guardians to... To... She nearly choked on the words. To tithe to her through hive rituals. And you think that's somehow better? Ikora took a breath. I hear you she said with a quiet authority. And while I trust Eris, I will not lose my objectivity. If actions must be taken, I will take them. Elsie shook her head. I wonder if you said the same thing before your body was buried in the wreckage of the tower. Ikora waited. One cannot speak when the other is unwilling to listen. Osiris had once told, It's in her voice. Elsie said. She sounded small. She sounded truly afraid, Ikora realized. You can hear it, even through her hive transformation. When she speaks, she's smiling. Elsie took a careful breath. When she led her troops from the Scarlet Keep, when she attacked the Traveler, when she turned us against each other and I was forced to. Ikora reached out a hand to stop her from having to say it. To kill my sister, Elsie whispered, pleading for understanding. To kill Anna. Eris was smiling, that same smile. Ikora laced her fingers together and looked at the floor. I won't watch it happen again, Elsie said, and her voice was ice. Creepy. Just a bit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Oh, I do too. I get it. I mean... We definitely read the uh, Dark Future, one of our favorites. I don't remember what episodes those were. I, I don't <laughs> Rindle, either. Rindle of the Future will have to tell us. Hey, guys. Rindle of the Future here. So those two episodes for the Dark Future would be episodes 93 and 94. 94 is also particularly significant because... That was the first appearance of little old me on this podcast. So if you wanted to get caught up and listen to how I sounded with a much worse mic setup than I currently have, you can go back and listen to that. Anyways, back to the show. But I loved those. They were so good. Because it was kind of like a um, what if fan fiction. It really was. It wasn't like um, the other kind of fan fiction that we've had in this, which was like Catless fan fiction, which is different because right. that's just like his Delulu is the Salulu fan fiction. Um, this was like she lived this out. Yeah. Like a bunch of times. It wasn't like 
delusional fan fiction. It was this actually happened to her and she had to like kill her sister multiple times. <laughs> That's awful. That's tragic Absolutely. and like destroys you. I can't imagine. And having to live through that and have Eris tell her to do that with ultimate power and also be smiling while doing it. Like what the fuck? And like, I, I see Elsie's point of view because she lived it. She saw Eris go down that path multiple times at, at this point. Oh, Dooms reminded me that week two, we got the sword logic cutscene. Oh, the cutscene that it talked about sword logic. That yeah, the what is sword logic? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Because I would not have remembered if it was not for you. Thank you. You're the best. I, I remembered that the cutscene happened sometime early in the season, but I couldn't remember where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Doom is the best. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Doom. But yeah, like Elsie witnessed Eris going down this road multiple times. And the the odd thing is, like like what was pointed out, you know, Eris is smiling. She's and I, I think this is more of the fact that like she's enjoying the fact that she's going to be the ruin of the hive. I like how she is the most powerful hive and she just wants to destroy the hive. I just love that so much. It's kind of metal. She's like, I will be your destruction. <laughs> After becoming you, I will end you. She's like, I not only am the best of you, I just became one of you and I'm already better than all of you. <laughs> Can you even <laughs> see that? <laughs> like, it must be so easy being a hive. Look how good at it I am. <laughs> it's like Eris. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Damn, Kick them while they're down. Like, yeah, get them. <laughs> let her cook i mean she's not wrong <laughs> but like damn burn him <laughs> like jesus flip Christ. him over like you gotta, you, you gotta flame it on on both sides <laughs> she's gonna burn him down <laughs> get him <laughs> <laughs> i mean doom has reminded us she is vengeance and vengeance is mostly enjoyable that is fair not wrong that is not wrong that is fair vengeance is super enjoyable <laughs> correct it, yeah like especially the fact of you know she's she's getting even yeah like it, it's not even so much about like venging or avenging you know her fallen fire team or anything it's it's more she's getting even for herself at this point yeah it was um, interesting that she pointed out, that Elsie pointed out that Eris Morn was corrupted by power. And Ikora thought it was corrupted by darkness. I'd have to go back to the actual lore book to see if that's correct. But I'm pretty sure Elsie is correct that it was power. I don't think they actually specified. I think they did specify I think she was corrupted by power. I think she got power hungry. I think that's what it said. Like, I think we'll have to go back and look. And like, I will gladly admit if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think they actually specified. I think it was just she turned on them and they stated fact. They didn't talk about 
intent or reasoning behind it. Mm, yeah. But I mean, my memory is fallible. So um, it looks like in chapter eight of the dark future is when they're all going after Eris and she's just pulling power and she kills Savathun. So do they even like they, they don't even go into like how she became that way, why she became that way? No. It's just she the last chapter does have Eris standing above Elsie with a twisted grin though. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't say how she like got filled with power. It just says power and that she has like a crooked grin and she's laughing with it. It doesn't say that it's like darkness, but they have stasis and they're making stasis be like really evil in this. But this was before we really just used it as a tool. Yeah. You know. And like that that was during the uh the beyond light year. So like that was before we came to the realization that the darkness is just a tool. Like it it doesn't corrupt. It it's just it is a thing to use. Yeah. It does say who the real witch is though in this. Yep. That much I remember. Yeah, so it does say you want the real witch, you want Eris Warren. That was chapter 4. That was like the the cliffhanger for that that entry. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it doesn't say like what kind of power. It just says or darkness. It just says power. It doesn't say like how she got it. I don't think. I'm just like vaguely scrolling it. And a lot of that might just be because nobody really knew. All they knew was she turned one day. Well, also, it's not from Eris's point of view. This is from like Zavala's and Anna's and yeah, Elsie's uh, point of view. It's not from anyone else because Ikora right. is already dead in this and everybody else. So and they find like Mara Sav is in this a little bit. And they have Rasputin. Yeah, didn't Mara take over like the Leviathan or something? Uh yeah. Something like that. They do have Rasputin though. Yep, in an exobody. Yeah, so they had exobody Rasputin. I mean, so they did technically have a lot of the things we have. Yeah. So that's creepy. I hate that. It's it's just things didn't turn like they didn't go the same route that they did for our timeline. No, they just kind of went next to it. Like there's like a weird mirror universe. There's a lot of similarities, but yeah. the differences are what make the actual timeline better or worse. Not sure yet. Yeah. I mean, it would be a good one to revisit, but it's kind of useless, I think. I think that's really all the revisiting it needs. <laughs> There's two whole episodes about it, if people want to go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is pretty good. Do you want to read the next one? Sounds Unless good Unless you me. have anything about this one. No, I'm, I'm good with jumping into the next one. And this was from week three. Uh, more tithes, more hives. Get some ointment. Uh, so the entry itself is auspices. Drifter sidled through Eris's Athenaeum, poking at her occult doodads. 
Many of the unidentifiable objects were covered in one type of grime or another. Wax, tallow, machine grease, or blood. He shook his head with affection, amazed that someone so sharp could be so sloppy. He spotted the deck of whispers, spread haphazardly across Eris's lectern, and strode across the room, gathering them into a clean pile. He'd had so many fortunes and misfortunes over his many lifetimes. He doubted another one would tip the scales either way. Drifter cut the deck fearlessly and flipped over the top card with a flourish. The Harbinger. As he stared into the card, the magnitude of Eris's undertaking loomed large in his mind. For one dark instant, he allowed himself to consider the possibility of her failure. Don't worry, Moondust, he muttered. You got this. He casually placed the card back on top of the deck. And when you're done, I'll be waiting. Zavala eyed the deck of whispers warily. He had been touring Eris's base of operations when the cards caught his eye. They seemed to draw his attention with silent insistence. The commander had never been one to seek omens or portents. It wasn't that he chafed at the idea of cosmic forces influencing his fate. The far-reaching effects of the Traveler on his life had long put to rest his hubristic sense of self-determination. Rather, he distrusted the riddles that such oracular devices employed. He had heard too many of the Witch Queen's half-truths to trust anything but hard evidence anymore. And yet... Zavala picked up the deck and immediately sensed its power. It felt heavier than the weight of its materials. As he hefted it in his palm, a card slid from the middle of the deck, as if pulled by an unseen hand. Zavala watched gravely as it fell face up at his feet. Lament. He gave a plaintive chuckle. Perhaps the oracles were not so difficult to interpret after all. Ikurakel! Mithrax called out to the Athenaeum. He had come looking for the warlock vanguard on city business, but having found the space empty, he paused his search to scrutinize her latest operation. Mithrax had strong objections to Eris's use of hive magic, but knew the vanguard was not his house to command. He perused the esoteric artifacts littering the space with mild distaste. They reminded him too much of the relics of Nezarek, which had plagued his youth. As his gaze came to rest on the deck of whispers, he felt a familiar numbness spread throughout his chest. Though the sensation had become more prevalent in recent months, he'd told no one. 
As the Kel picked up the deck with his upper right hand, he felt his splicer gauntlet pulse with energy. The cards were clearly imbued with a power beyond his experience. With his lower left hand, he delicately withdrew a card and placed it face up on the table. Ascension. Mithrax pondered the omen gravely. It reminded him of all the tribulations his house had suffered in coming to the last city. Their ascension had been a violent and sorrowful one, filled with detractors. Yet, the peace and security they found among the humans had justified their risks. Now it was Eris who was walking into the sanctum of her mortal enemy to save her people. Mithrax shook his head in self-rebuke. Perhaps he'd been too rigid in his opinions regarding Erisborn's mission. He owed her the same grace that the Vanguard had extended to him. He slid the card back into the middle of the deck and felt the numbness in his chest recede once again. Okay, we have to start at the first one because... The drifter (laughs) said he was thinking about her. um, He was looking at her stuff with affection or he shook his head with affection. Amazed that someone so sharp could be so sloppy. It was with affection, with affection, everybody. The Drifter had affection for Eris. I'm putting it out there. They are in love. Wait, so was there the affection? The Drifter loves Eris. There is affection. Oh, they fucking. <laughs> oh, they fucking. Oh, they fucking. There is officially <laughs> affection here. Just putting it out there. They love each other. They're going to get married. They are a couple putting it out there. I thought I was like, no, 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 no. They're just friends. They're totally friends. No, they're t- they're a couple. They're fucking just putting it out there. Affection. I mean, at this point, yeah. It's in the lore. It's in the lore. <laughs> it's in the lore. Um, yeah. I love that uh, she's so sloppy with all of her shit too. She's just like me. It's it's organized chaos. Mm-hmm. It's how all my stuff is organized chaos. It's kind of fun that they're all like, oh, I'm just going to go through your shit. Let me just turn a card over here. Oh, right. that's bad. Right. <laughs> but at least we need to believe that all of her cards are bad. <laughs> None of them are good. She doesn't have any good cards. They're all terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think Zavala's was all right. Like not was it lament? Like not good, but like lament is not good. It's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, and or mourning a person's loss or death, as in he was lamenting the death of his infant daughter. Well, the fact is, like, or a really good sword for DPS. <laughs> I mean, oh god, I feel that. <laughs> well no so like think of what's coming up in in the final shape like 
he's going to be able to see his third fire team member. That's going to tear a wound back open. Yeah, but then they're going to have to say goodbye to him again. So that's that's where the lament is coming in. If you could see someone again for a little bit, would you or would you? But knowing you'd have to say goodbye. Oh, I absolutely would. Really? I absolutely would. Would you? Mm, no, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to do it again. That's fair. I'm really bad with saying goodbye the first time. So I don't think I'd be able to do it again for a second time. That's fair. For for me, like it it depends on who I'm I'm getting to see back. Like if 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 it's somebody that I get to choose, then like for example, like I I would choose my grandma from my mom's side. Mm-hmm. She died when I was a teen. I never got to say goodbye. So like I 100% would, you know, say yes to to having, you know, that that one last visit because then like I could talk about what's happened since then and I it would give me a chance to actually say goodbye. Yeah. It would still hurt like hell, but at least then there would be a chance for closure. Right. And and that's that makes sense. And that's kind of what I see for Zavala as well. Because Cade went off on a mission and died. Yeah. So like I, I see Cade coming back in the final shape being that that thing that, you know, Zavala is gonna lament about. Right. I mean they probably have more meanings, like actual tarot cards, like two of cups probably means something. I don't know. Uh, just from a quick search. Oh, come on, where the hell is it? One eternity later. Hmm. hmm. What are you looking for? I was looking to see if there was any actual, like, explanation of m- the meanings. And, is it and, in that other book? And to see if there was some kind of, like, anything about lament itself. It'd be in that other book. Possibly. Sorrow side. Possibly. Although I think that one is actually Eris's Book of Sorrow. Probably. I don't even think we can read it. I don't think it's on Ishtar. Nope. So it's Lame. another cut, you know, screenshot and paste. That's so annoying. It is, but it's what we got to do for now. Anyway, let's go back up to the Harbinger. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean... There's not much you can say about Harbinger. Be like, it's the Harbinger of your doom. Probably. That sounds awful. Like, the Harbinger <laughs> is pretty self-explanatory. And, <laughs> I mean. And I think that's, like, that is specifically why Drifter reacted the way he did. Like. Yeah. You know, he's sitting there saying, you know, don't worry, Moondust. You got this. And when you're yeah. done, I'll be waiting. I mean. The Harbinger, obviously, is a thing that, like, signals the approach of something. Usually something not great. Yeah. Um, Like, Arrivals was, like, the Harbinger of, like, the pyramid ships. Yeah. And so the Harbinger card is, like, I don't know. What would that be? And would that be specific to <clears throat> the Drifter? 
Is that that's a harbinger of something for him? Because it might not be necessarily a bad thing. I I don't th- like it's a it could be a negative connotation, like just because it sounds bad. But I mean, it could be like crocuses are a harbinger of spring. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. That is true. And see, I had taken it as the harbinger was Eris. Why is she the harbinger? She's the harbinger of the hive's end. I yeah. I was thinking more like personally to the drifter cuz he's the one that pulled the card. Well, and and that's the thing, like him and Eris are extremely close to the point that like like you said, you know, they fucking they so, they fucking. So like if they're that close, it's not so much that she is the harbinger to him but he drew a card that represented Eris. does that make sense True. yeah it does yeah like that's how i interpreted it but like that's not it could be something completely different okay no i get it okay so let's go to the third one ascension mm-hmm. so what would ascend when this first came out, I had this was week two or three. Week three. Week three. I had a few people uh message me because they thought Ascension being that he was gonna get the light. Oh, cool. Interesting. Not too cool when you stop and realize what that would mean. I mean, he would have to die. Exactly. But but still cool, and he would forget who he was. But and hear me out. But okay, what if this is actually talking more political than anything? But he becomes the hunter vanguard. <laughs> no, like what if he becomes part of like the new consensus that they're going to build after this whole confrontation with the witness? Oh, they totally need a new consensus. Holy shit right all the rest of the consensus fucked off to space or died or died (laughs) or you know became evil space racists and died because we killed her stomped her into the ground so like what if what if ascension isn't so much like talking about you know death and and coming back as a you know elixir guardian but more of a political thing i mean yeah i mean also ascension could just mean like she becomes the big hive she's now top hive so you're thinking like so it might not necessarily mean like him specifically it could mean that like eris is now like big dick on the field so you're thinking that they're pulling these cards and it's relating back to eris it's her deck i don't know because he's like focusing on her that could be it says like he when he picked it up he felt his splicer gauntlet pulse with energy the cars were clearly imbued with a power beyond his experience that is possible so i don't know i mean so is that about eris or is that because damn it toki you're Toki, this is not your podcast. 
just sit here and be Toki. God. God can't. You, you really are so wrong here. on that. <laughs> Sorry. You are okay, so Toki, wrong. This is, this is Toki's this is, podcast. Sorry, Toki. Our five-year anniversary. This is definitely your podcast. So you've been here for all of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the with the whole like the cards are imbued with a power, and his splicer gauntlets doing like weird stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at this point, a lot of this is up know. for interpretation. Yeah, I that's that's I kind of like stuff like that where you can discuss it and be like, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about this? Oh, it could be this. Right. I think it's kind of fun. It is. I don't know. It could be so many different things. And, and like it, it is fun because we're you and I are looking at it from like two different angles each. You know. Yeah. So there's there's tons of wiggle room to f- for for interpretation, and it's it's fun to see all these different possibilities. I mean, it's also just like tarot. I mean, you could have two people read the same tarot spread for somebody and have two different interpretations of like the same tarot spread. Yeah. Because tarot is kind of bullshit in my opinion, but the cards are just pretty. I think. Oh, I, I definitely like the way a lot of tarot decks look. I haven't gotten a reading and I, I honestly don't know if I would or if I would put much stock in it. Like, I just, I don't know. So, I don't know. But I like it. It's good. I like how we get more Mithrax, too. Definitely. We haven't seen him in a while. Last time we saw him, (laughs) Amanda died. Dumb Amanda. (laughs) Doing things a Guardian could have done easily. Stupid. Such a waste. Would you like to continue on? Yeah. Can I say something though? Like on on to the uh, in a side, um, we've heard about his splicer gauntlet twice now. Well, yeah. In just rites of passage, you've read about it twice. Yeah. In the first entry and the third entry, because Saint Fourteen was fixing it in the first one. It's like they really want us to remember, like season of the splicer. <laughs> I. It it to me it sounds like oh hey guys remember he's got special equipment remember that it's like hey guys splicer gauntlet splicer gauntlet he's got a splicer gauntlet hey guys do you remember season of the splicer how good was it like it was so good Bungie thanks for reminding me do you remember chroma rush so good I was using it in Crucible earlier it's still so good <laughs> people sleep on that gun man. Okay, I'm going to read the next one. This is week four. This is week four. This is an invocation. Titan's methane oceans roiled. Saturn's crushing gravity caused massive tidal waves to surge across the moon's surface. In the comforting blackness beneath the waves, the tides swelled and contracted like the breath of a great beast. Within that churn of elemental forces, the proto-worm Asa slumbered. She was not asleep in any sense her bonded guardian would understand. 
For the frail humans, sleep was a frantic, uninhibited state. Their minds roamed freely between terror, ecstasy, and oblivion. It was not a condition that Asa recognized as restful. Instead, the proto-worm's attention drifted peacefully among quantum fields unspoiled by physics or matter. Her consciousness diffused from the dense thought forms used by the humans to a more expansive state of being. She was a mist upon the face of the cosmos. Time flowed through her as a tranquil breeze. Asa. Her serenity was suddenly eroded. As if a gyre had suddenly formed beneath her mind, sucking her inexorably back into her body, she felt herself sink. Aka, Sita, Sel, Asa, Aura, Lays. The crushing density of her material form suddenly weighed her down. She calmed herself as she re-identified the oppressive forces as mere physical sensation. I separate the true from the dead. The phenomenon pulling her back was familiar, a human voice. The words were sharp and pointed. They smelled of putrefaction, despair, violence. I am the many-mouthed hunger. I am the knife-edged truth. The voice grew stronger, like a saprophytic fungus blossoming on a carcass. It spread as mycelial tendrils through her mind. An invocation. She knew intuitively that she could withdraw from this connection if she desired. The will of the unseen voice was not so strong as to enthrall her. Not yet. I devour the free. I conspire with my vengeance. Asa suppressed the urge to recoil. Beneath the ritual words, she recognized a discordant note, one of altruism. The speaker was sacrificing themselves as well. They proposed a mutual tribulation for a greater purpose, the survival of the universe. Their reciprocal apprehension gave her solace. Asa opened herself up, allowing the voice to resonate within her. I will take what I need. The words in my throat are the weapon in my fist. The gruesome nature of the speaker's method became clear. Asa was to become a vessel for their harvested power. A battery for the profane logic just like her corrupted kin. Waves of conflicting emotion cascaded through Asa as memories of her flight from Fundament resurfaced. After her escape, Asa had spent millennia in grief for her lost brethren, but always dormant beneath the surface of her despair was a faint gleam of hope, like buried treasure, a hope that one day she might redeem their depravity. A hope which now rose to the surface wielding the very sword she once fled. Ayat, Ayat, Ayat. Upon the final invocation, Asa perceived the fullness of her caller's intent. They sought power not for themselves or even their species. They fought to preserve the very cosmos as they knew it, to save it from the cruel grasp of a wounded tyrant, using the only tool they could. 
The proto-worm imagined the universe swelling and contracting like the tides, beyond the reckoning of any one being. When moved by such swells, one could only accept their impetus, making of them the best one could. From her bonding with Salone, Asa knew that this was what humans called fate. This is an interesting entry. So this is actually Eris reaching out to Asa. Yes. Like this is the actual ritual that happened in week one. But yes. it's on Asa's side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Eris is invoking the name of six proto-worms, much in the way that the worm gods were invoked for hive ritual bullshit. And there's a lot of names that I don't recognize. Like Cell, Aura, Lees. Yeah. But there's also Akka. Yeah. And we know Zeta. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, and I'm I'm gonna look it up, but if I remember correctly, Akka was the, the worm of secrets. At that point, what if Akka's secret was that it wasn't a you know worm god like the others, but it was still a proto-worm. It it wasn't corrupted by the uh the witness. I believe it. I definitely believe it. Yeah. Akka was the worm of secrets. Um, because Oryx went killed Akka and obtained the ability to take like Akka was still corrupt in a certain way but like not in the way that the other worm gods were right 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 um the other thing that interested me uh trying to find it real quick uh right here I will take what I need the words in my throat are the weapon in my fist the gruesome nature of the speaker's method became clear. Asa was to become a vessel for their harvested power, a battery for the profane logic, just like her corrupted kin. So that's what was happening, was Eris wasn't absorbing all that power herself. She was feeding it straight to Asa for safekeeping, and then when Eris needed it, she would tap into Asa's strength. Yeah, that makes sense because she didn't stay as a hive the entire time, I don't think. Right. Because she turned back into Eris all sometimes. Right. Too. Like she, she kept flipping forms off and on yeah. all season. Mm hmm. Because we didn't just see her hanging out as a hive. Right. She didn't like go down to Starbucks all hivey and be like, caramel macchiato, please. <laughs> I want a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I ought. I ought. <laughs> is, is that the name I put on the, the cup? I ought. How do you spell that? <laughs> she just keeps saying I ought and slams her like claws on the, <laughs> the table. I ought. Okay, okay, I ought, but how do you spell it? Is it I ought? Like, you know, I ought to give this to you or what? Like She's such a basic witch. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, we're 
Grindel came up with that. I cannot even. <laughs> Although, actually, no, it wouldn't be pumpkin spice because of how like weirded out they were of just like pineapples or just regular fruits. It would be something like pumpkin apple spice. I mean, they do have like apple crisp, whatever, right now. Super good. Apple crisp, oat milk, something. You can get that instead. <laughs> she has options. She doesn't have to be like totally basic. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's that's that's get, getting back to the lore. Um, that's what it all boils down to is the fact that when Eris was in hive mode, she was passing all the, the tithes along to Asa. Asa mm-hmm. was storing them like a battery. And then when the ritual was needed at the end of the story for the season, Eris pulled that strength back from the battery. So Eris using that to... Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. So then thinking about that after hearing this and knowing how she used Asa, so she couldn't have separated... Um, she couldn't have separated Zivurath from her throne world and killed her with her super ultimate power because it seems like it was either one or the other at this point. Right. Because also is more like a capacitor. And so like once discharged, you don't really have it anymore. You kind of like discharge it all at once and like one kind of like one bang. Yeah. It's not like a battery where you discharge it slowly over time. No, that 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 makes sense. It's just kind of a. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. The ironic thing is Asa feels conflicted about everything that's going on. I mean, I would, too, if you have been rescued last season by guardians. Mm hmm. And you're told, like, yeah, you're free. You're not going to be treated by us like the hive treated your brethren. We're definitely (laughs) not going to treat you like that. Oh, wait, one month later, we're definitely going to treat you like that. (laughs) We're definitely putting all of this power that we're tithing from Eris, a guardian that we made into a hive. Can we use you as a battery? Is that okay with you? What what if she says no? Then what? We already killed Zeta. Zeta's dead. Then what? Find another one? Where? It's not like we have a bunch of them just hanging out. I, I can't go down to Worm Mart. I can't go to Petco and pick up another one. Where am I going to go find another giant worm? Nowhere. Yeah, especially since Zeta is um, incapacitated. Yeah. So since we can't bring Zeta back to life, Zeta being incapacitated is like the nicest thing you could say about what we did. Because she's worm food. food. Yeah, she's dead. So ask the bones in the dreaming city. I am not going to talk to the bones in the dreaming city. (laughs) Nothing good comes of asking the bones in the dreaming city literally anything. Right. They'll try to trick you into like a timeshare or something, Alcapulco. <laughs> They'll be like, hey, do you want a timeshare in Las Vegas? They'll trick you into it. 
No, it's a timeshare in the Dreaming City. You'll have access once every three weeks. It's only good once every three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. And it's only on the shitty weeks, too. It's only week three, and you only see, like, a giant black, like, bobble outside your window, so you get no view. (laughs) It's terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, yeah, it's I can see why she is conflicted because we told her we weren't going to do this and then we totally turned around and did this. We're really shitty friends. Well, considering like we saved her from being taken. Yeah. And then, and then we took her. Right. And then we're just using her as a battery now like that. Yeah, that's really shitty. We're shitty. We're the worst. We're the worst friends. Hello. I mean, I could have told We're you that. We're hot garbage. We're hot garbage. We're bad. We're bad people. Bad people. Although, to be fair, it wasn't our guardian who's, who said any of this. I know, but I mean, like, we're involved in this. Yeah. I just feel so bad for her. This feels really bad. Oh, absolutely. Like, this. this is not good for anyone. But, I mean... At at this point in the story, do we really have any options? No, and even Asa recognizes that. I mean, she says it here. Um, Asa perceived the fullness of her caller's intent. They sought power not for themselves or even their species. They fought to preserve the very cosmos as they knew it. To save it from the cruel grasp of a wounded tyrant, using the only tool they could. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she knew that it wasn't, like, it wasn't done with malice. She knew it was a rock and a hard place. Yeah. And she's like, ugh, okay, fine. Because she even says it's fate. Feel bad, though. Well, absolutely. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel bad for Asa. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, a, there's not much we can do. Aside from yeah. just continuing with the plan. Anyway, um, how did you like the first four weeks of the story? The entries were good. I thought they were really good, too. Like, normally, I'm, I'm not a big fan of these kind of books because there's no central story. Um, it, it feels like it's just a continuation of each week. But like this one actually feels different. Each entry is its own thing and it doesn't necessarily build off of that week's story, but it builds off of the entire seasonal story. I feel like it's more comprehensive this time. Yeah. Like it actually takes the other weeks into account and it's actually building like a full story. Like it's more of an actual lore book and not... A bunch of lore stories cobbled together into somebody's binder that they found in their parents' garage. Absolutely. Definitely not a callback to last week's episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I really like these. I think they're written really well. And they're not like exceedingly purple prose. I think they're just like written really nicely. They're pretty straightforward. I agree. And some of them are like really fun to interpret too. Like entry three. 
Yeah, entry three is great. Entry four is good too, honestly. Like, I like it. I like reading about Asa. I think Asa was a really good character to add because, like, Proto Worm, that's really badass. It's so cool that they added that last season. Considering we had Proto Hive and now Proto Worm. Yeah. And I mean, not just that, but we also got um, a really great uh, entry between Osiris and Saint-14. Mm-hmm. So. And, and that's a good entry, but it's, it is heavy. Yeah, it really is. Anyway, do you have any shout outs? Yeah. Shout out to Rindle's wife, Sammy. Ah! Because if it wasn't for Sammy... I would have been typing out the show notes. You'd still be typing out the show notes. Let's be real. Let's be real. I'd be on like entry number two right now. Uh, you'd still be typing. It'd be two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Shout outs? Shout out to all of my boys, the F1 drivers. From the last race, they were racing in Qatar last weekend, which is a terrible fucking place to race. Shout out to all my boys. Shout out to my boy, Max Verstappen. He got his third World Drivers Championship. He won. I'm so happy for him. But mostly shout out that they were in the worst fucking conditions they've ever raced in. They were in like the hottest conditions. A bunch of them got super ill, like had to go to the hospital. One of them threw up in his helmet. They were passing out when they were driving. One of them had to quit in the middle of the race. Like one of them had to get in an ambulance the minute the race ended. Like... They were laying down right after the race, just in the cool down room. Like it was a fucking disaster. Damn. And people afterwards were like, oh, well, this is just how racing goes. And I'm like, no, that's not how racing goes ever. <laughs> They've raced in hot climates before and it's never been a problem until now. So how about we don't ever race there again? Because also it's Qatar and uh, slavery is terrible. Qatar is a bad place. Let's never race there. Qatar is awful. Okay, thanks. That's my shout out. I love my boys. They're racing in Austin in two weeks. Let's go. Okay. If you like, if you want to watch Formula One, it's actually, if you're American and you want to watch Formula One, it's going to be at a really good time for you to watch. It'll be on ESPN, probably, or like ABC or something. It'll be like... On a good channel at a good time because it'll be in America because it's going to be the U.S. Grand Prix because it's going to be like our home race in Texas. Let's go. So you can watch it. Um, it is going to be on Sunday, the 22nd of October. You will be able to watch it. Okay. This episode will come out before then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a sprint weekend. So you get two races for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> there's a race on saturday and a race on sunday definitely getting your money's worth sprint races are terrible no one likes them <laughs> but at the same time they're kind of fun so but yeah coda is great you should watch f1 give it a chance see what all of us are yelling about all the time 
Watch my boy Max Verstappen win again. Anyway, I have some reminders for you and some special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zevas. He's the best. You can find him on Twitter at Rindle Zevas. Uh, the artwork for this episode is courtesy of Volshock B on Twitter. The music in this episode is copyright of Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we use to make our show notes, except this time because it's not on Ishtar yet. So if you want to actually read it, you have to go into Destiny and find it underneath the lore tab. Annoying. But thank you anyway, Baxter. I love you. Say thank you, Alamist. Thank you, Alamist. You're welcome. <laughs> Here's some reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can find Alamist and I there as well. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore outlook.com. Leave us a review. Join our Discord, discord.gg slash lorehub. Um, for a bunch of other places find links in the episode description uh, if you'd like to support the podcast send us money at ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore that's where we receive all the monies please send us monies every little bit helps <laughs> thank you for your monies and, and we do greatly appreciate it so we can pay Rendell more because we don't pay him enough he's so poor now they just redid part of their house. They need more money. <laughs> uh, that's about it. This is uh, long. I'm sorry, Randall. You're going to have to edit so much. <laughs> uh, okay, say goodnight, Alamist. Good night, Alamist. Oh, good night. Bump, bump, bump. Otters. Oh, yeah. Happy fifth anniversary to us. This is the fifth anniversary of our podcast. Okay, bye. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>